Geopolitics and Empire is joined by Pastor Artur Paulowski from Calgary of streetchurch.ca. He recently went viral on social media for kicking Canadian authorities out of his church. They were attempting to shut him down illegally and unconstitutionally. We'll be discussing Canada's turn toward tyranny. How are you doing, Pastor Paulowski? I'm doing, I'm doing fine. Thank you. That's good to hear. Now, people can click on the links in the description to see the full footage of what happened. And I've compiled some of your recent interviews as well. People can check them out in the description. I think I was one of the first to tweet out that footage, which received astonishingly 2 million views uh, on Twitter alone. Uh, authorities were attempting to shut down your church and you essentially threw seemingly sheer willpower told them to get out. It was not the shot heard around the world, but what I'll call the shout heard around the world. You called them uh, Nazis, Gestapo, communists. And I personally think your descriptions were precise. Uh, in fact, I couldn't believe what I was seeing when I first saw the video. I had to rewatch it and rewatch it. And I became emotional and almost physically shaking because I too have this strong response such as you when the COVID police uh, attempt to you know, impose tyranny upon us when we're out uh, and about. But before we get to your explanation of what happened in your church and what is going on now, I thought it would be important to learn about your roots uh, and where you came from, because historically your people uh, have an intimate experience with totalitarianism, whether in the forms of Nazi fascism or Soviet communism. So could you give us kind of a brief understanding of your and your family's past experiences and understanding of totalitarianism in Europe? Because I think it is this that enabled you to recognize this same totalitarianism now that's resurfacing in the West, uh, in Canada. Uh, that's exa exactly what is happening. You know, I think in the Western countries, people have been living in their bubble zone for so long that they have lost the ability to understand or to learn from the past experiences from history. And of course, the indoctrination of our children and the mainstream media propaganda uh, with their politic pol political uh, force is not teaching our next generations about the mistakes of the past generation. And, and that's a shame. That's a tragedy. So me, I grew up in Poland behind the Iron Curtain. And of course, I learned from my grandparents and the older generation, the generation of you know, above my parents about what happened when the Nazis attacked Poland, when the Hitler declared war on the entire world. 1939, the Nazis entered Poland, murdered civilians. Uh, first casualties of the war were civilians, were not soldiers, and the uh, terror began. I've heard the stories of uh, Gestapo and SS and Wehrmacht uh, murdering, killing, raping, uh, just absolute horror of Nazism, fascism. And of course, growing up under communist dictatorship, under the boots of the Soviets, I've seen firsthand what communism is, what socialism is, how destroys everything left and right. The 50,000 communists were ruling over 36 million Poles with the iron fist. You couldn't do anything, you couldn't say anything without the approval of the Communist Party. They were dictating where you work, what you do, with whom, 
it was it was unbelievable actually a total destruction of the country the country was in depression everything was gray nothing you couldn't buy anything in the stores and uh, for the western mind you can't even comprehend really what i'm saying i'm trying to explain to people what communism is and what communism does but it's like sometimes it's so hard i'm saying red but they're seeing black you know what i mean so um growing up under communism I'll give you a few examples my brother's saying is um he always have uh, this saying to canadians canadians wake up and smell the coffee you see you're privileged to wake up and smell the coffee actually the truth is i'm i'm having a coffee right so for Me us too, so. <laughs> to so for us to go and buy coffee it's not the problem you don't even think about it you go to store and you buy coffee under communism and socialism to buy coffee was a crazy ordeal it took 3 days to stand in a lineup exchanging with my father then with my mom then with my brother then with me exchange in the lineup for 3 days just so you would not lose your spot waiting for the coffee to arrive and you could only buy 1 kilogram of coffee that's it and then you had to wait months or bribe someone to get coffee to buy a loaf of bread every week saturday i had to go to the bakery and stand in a huge lineup just to buy a loaf of bread uh, you couldn't buy anything there were times where i was growing up that the stores were empty there were times that shipments were coming and then there was bribe and you had to give extra from under the table but there were times there was absolutely nothing except vinegar and chocolate you know uh, you go to store here even at gas stations and there is no problem of buying chocolates in poland under communism and behind the iron curtain that was that was the the common thing you couldn't buy those those things bananas or oranges or chocolate so they give you an example my mom every christmas she would buy us me and my brother uh, a bar of chocolate and that bar of chocolate would have those little tiny bars and if it happens that this chocolate had a peanut in it i would lick the chocolate around and save the peanut peanut for the next day you know we didn't see this stuff in a year so i wanted to cherish this for as long as i could so people in the western civilization cannot really comprehend what i'm talking about but that's the reality of socialism and communism venezuela when one was one of the richest countries on the planet earth and, and look at venezuela today when the communists took over so it's a, it's a warning i think i have been privileged to grow up in poland to hear the stories and to see you know the bullet holes of the buildings and to visit many times i went to auschwitz-birkenau the biggest nazi concentration camp on the planet earth where so many over a million 2 million they say people were slaughtered and murdered and jewish people and polish people and people from all around the world so i grew up seeing that and of course i've seen the communists so now i understand when this type of dictatorship is coming right away it's a red flag red flag red flag and i have been warning canadians and americans for the past 16 years of my public life about communism and fascism because they're very similar in tactic uh, so 
sometimes people will criticize me and say, you know, you're too hard. You're too harsh with those officers and health inspectors and bylaw officers. But think about it. When you see them breaking the law exactly the same way the Nazis were breaking, and yes, it's true, they're not shooting us down yet. They're not putting us in concentration camps yet. They're just building them as we speak. So are we going to wait until they have so much power that shooting you it's a no no problem and there are no consequences to those villains or we should actually change our methods and start yelling as hard as we can and push this evil agenda from our businesses our churches our lives so i've decided to be very vocal i don't have a weapon a, a pistol or a gun i am a man of peace i don't use violence to bring my point across i use my time Tang, I use my voice, I use my sermons, I use my speeches, I talk to people, I try to educate them. That's what I'm doing. But you know what? Those, the tongue is more powerful than a, than a bullet, and they are terrified of this. So this whole ordeal that now you've seen it, and actually uh, the new statistics that I received, over a billion people watched that video across the world, and I get tens of thousands of emails and and texts and telephones and you know like it's it has been a very busy few weeks for me and um, i've heard that during that weekend this was the most played video on earth for the weekend i mean it's very humbling it's crazy i didn't expect it that me doing what i always do fend off the wolves stand against hyenas uh, will um, have such an impact I've heard of people rising up right now, taking courage that what they have seen, I did. They, in their hearts, they say, if this man can do it, I can do it as well. And, and that's the wildfire I was waiting for. I was waiting for a spiritual awakening, a revolution, uh, you know, uprising, of course, peacefully, non-compliance, peaceful resistance, protests, rallies, telling those totalitarian governments no way, get out of my houses, get out of our buildings, get out of our churches. So what happened that led to this confrontation was 13 months of an ongoing harassment. And that's what people don't see. That's what they don't understand. I was the first clergyman to get $1,200 COVID ticket. I call them COVID tickets. And uh, I got a lot of them right now. You can see you know, uh, all colors and for all kinds of different things. I mean, and I got a stack over there of bigger ones as well. Um, tickets for and summons to court for uh, feeding the homeless people, for taking care of the poor, for preaching the gospel and telling people that there is hope, that there is end. Even if this pandemic is going to go left and right, there is hope in God. And that's the job of a pastor. I'm a frontline worker, just like the police, just like the doctors and nurses. And the clergyman is among the people giving hope to the hopeless. So 30 months ago, police, 12 of them showed up, pushed our, our parishioners, assaulted one of our um, attendees and they gave me $1,200 ticket and they declared that if I don't stop feeding the homeless, I'm going to get up to a million dollars ticket. So they threatened me and we continued, we continued feeding the poor. And from time to time, I will have bylaw officers, I will have health inspectors, I will have police taking pictures of our parishioners, uh, harassing our clients, uh, coming, giving me tickets. For example, 
during the night hour, just like the communists. And you got to remember, you're talking to a Polish immigrant that grew up in a craziness like this, that the police could come five in the morning, break your door, arrest you, beat you up, torture you, throw you in jail. And then you would think to yourself, I've done nothing wrong. And, you know, for sure, the courts are going to vindicate me. You go before the judge and judge is corrupted. He's a communist. He is doing what the Communist Party is telling him to do. And you go five years jail time and you've done nothing, nothing. You could go to jail just for listening to European radio. That's it. That's all. You just listen to the news that is prohibited by the Communist Party. If you were caught with a book that was prohibited, if you were saying anything that the neighbor would call the police on you, snitch on you and say, hey, this guy has a radical view against the Communist Party, you would be arrested, no questions asked, beaten, tortured, and you could go to jail. If you were caught with one American dollar, you could go a year to two years jail. I mean, that's the craziness of totalitarian government. Everything is controlled, the propaganda, uh, mainstream media, everything the people are listening, hearing, everything that the government is telling them, it's all propaganda, it's all lies, it's all cooked up stories to keep the people in bondage, in slavery. You're stealing, right to jail. You're playing music too loud, right to jail, right away. You're driving too fast, jail. Slow, jail. You're charging too high prices for sweaters. Glasses, you write to jail. You undercook fish, believe it or not, jail. You overcook chicken, also jail. Undercook, overcook. You make an appointment with a dentist and you don't show up, believe it or not, jail, right away. We have the best patients in the world because of jail. So like I said, 50,000 communists were controlling 36 million slaves because that's what they were. They were only supposed to work for the elite. That's why right now you see the greatest elimination of the middle class mm -hmm. in the history of mankind. You see the attack on the small and medium-sized businesses. Why? Because those people are hardworking people. They want to achieve something. They are generation after generation of the fathers uh, that um, pass down to them a core value, hard work, patriotism, being honest, you know, and this needs to be eliminated in order to control society, in, all, in order to enslave society, you have to eliminate the middle class and the small and medium-sized businesses. And we're seeing this in front of our eyes. That's why the big cor corporations are left alone. Did you notice that you can go to mega stores with hundreds of people, but down the street, a little store, which is a lot safer than the big, huge corporation, uh, a mega store, it's safe, safer. But it's shut down. But the big malls and big stores are not. Why? Because they're creating extremely rich and extremely poor people. That's the agenda. Okay. And that's communism. That's fascism. That's socialism. So going back to the story, I will have detectives coming during the night hour to intimidate me. I have police officers knocking at my door during the night hours, delivering me a bylaw ticket, not, not a criminal ticket. Normally, bylaw tickets are given by bylaw officers, peace officers. But here you have an armed force strictly for one purpose, to intimidate and to harass, to show we are watching you and we're after you. So I would have police, armed police officers delivering me $100, a bylaw infraction. It's like a parking ticket. And then 
I would have detectives, the highest paid police officers in the city, delivering me a $100 ticket with their guns, with their badges, just storming and coming. And, hey, we got a, a fine for you. It's just bizarre. You know, it's you can give it to me without showing up with this huge force. But they're doing this for a purpose because now we have entered a time zone of intimidation. They are telling you submit or else. That's what we're seeing right now. So this was going on for 30 months. Our biggest show off with or standoff or um, Mexican standoff. You're in Mexico. So it was uh, during our Christmas festival. The government of Canada declared that Christmas is canceled. That's what they said. We're canceling Christmas. And I said to them, who do you people think you are? Cancel yourself. Or we're canceling you, but you can't cancel God. You cannot cancel church. You cannot cancel faith. So I called the people and I said, let's do the biggest Christmas festival in the city. And we fed hundreds of people when we had Christmas carolers and we had preachers. And it was an amazing, amazing service. However, we had over 100 police officers, 52 police cars and about 20 bike uh, police on bicycles. And I got 11 tickets from that uh, Christmas festival when we fed hundreds of homeless people on the streets of Calgary. And then, so I pastored two churches. One is called Street Church, streetchurch.ca. If you want to see what we do, you can visit. And another church in the building. So one is four times a week, we feed the homeless on the streets, uh, providing a church for the poor. And then we have a church building. I started to notice officers showing up in our uh, next location, another location in the building. And what would they do? They would come and they would block the driveway, the parking lot to our facility. And they would intimidate our parishioners. They would take pictures of them. They would harass them. And they would demand um, from me to open the doors so they can come in to inspect the facility. I've told them no. I said they're trespassing and eventually they left. So then they started to use a different tactics. They started to stand outside of the property and just purely take pictures of children and women and anyone that dared to enter a church facility. When I grew up in Poland, that was one of the biggest tactics of the communists and the fascists before that. When they couldn't get the man, for whatever reason, the man was too famous or or too powerful, or whatever, they would put pressure, they would put pressure on the family, and the women, the wives, and the children, and they would send photographs to the men and say, hey, we know where your wife works. We know where your children go to school, where they play. You don't want something to happen to your wife, right? You don't want something to happen to your children, right? You know, so they would not say anything. They would just imply, hey, if you don't behave, Maybe we will not do anything to you. We'll just kill your children or we'll just kill your wife or arrest her. Because there was a famous saying uh, by the police of police officers in Poland under the Soviets. Give me a man. We will find something on that man. In other words, we'll plant something. We will make uh, a story or your wife assaulted officers you know that, that that's we got five officers that will testify that your wife went crazy and she punched one of us mm-hmm. and, so and I, uh, yeah I just, I just wanted to just uh bring up again kind of summarize and stress 
uh, the point that uh, everything that you're saying, you know, we both live in the Americas. So you're in Canada, I'm in Mexico. And uh, it seems as you were saying, the people in the Americas have little knowledge of full-blown totalitarianism. But, you know, us Europeans, uh, we know it very well. It's in our cultural code. You know, my parents also grew up in Yugoslavia. I know the stories. My grandfather, I believe, was held as a Nazi prisoner for a while. Uh, and, you know, immediately at the start of all of this in 2020, I recognized what was happening and that it had absolutely nothing to do with a virus uh, or a pandemic or, or public health, uh, and that it was being used as a pretext to alter our economic, political, and social structures. Um, but I've been like a voice in the wilderness here. And it's, as, as you say, because people aren't recognizing it they don't know the history but i have like in my bones i can recognize it in a second uh, immediately you know from march 2020 uh but also this is not new to you i, I also put, i'm going to put a link in the description of an interview that you gave eight years ago it's a 25 minute interview excellent people should watch it uh and you know you were talking about how the canadian government has been for years uh un unlawfully harassing you um and that you un uncovered corruption um how politicians were using homeless people and homeless shelters, not to help the people, but to keep them poor and profit off of the massive government funds, which were supposed to be destined for the poor, because you're out on the streets feeding homeless people four times a week, and you kind of uncovered this uh, conspiracy. And so, um, and then I have another question that kind of brings us up here where uh, I, I'm sure you're familiar with the pastor in California, John MacArthur, who's saying the same thing uh, that you're saying now, that this is a political revolution. This public health emergency is basically uh, a political uh, revolution. So what do you think is really going on now? And, and it seems like they're not stopping. It seems like, as you're saying, that we're in this phase where right now they're terrorizing us and that we might move to the next phase. So what, what do you think is really going on with this pandemic health emergency? Well, like I said uh, a few minutes before, is a total takeover uh, global agenda. They want to implement one world order, one religion, why uh, one monetary system in order to do that. And, and of course, they want to break down the barriers. Uh, the, they want to destroy <clears throat> the borders. They want this one huge encampment of slaves with the elites on the top. In order to do that, they need a technology. Now they have the technology and they control the media. You need those two things. You need the will of the politicians, which have become traitors. They're turncoats. They should be charged with treason. They don't work for the people anymore. They work against the people. Uh, they should be charged with treason. And they need the mainstream media to usher, to forward that agenda and for that they need a technology so we have entered an era where that uh, technology exists and they needed an invisible enemy it's just like war on terrorism you don't really know who you're fighting but sounds good and people are buying it so let's just invade iraq even though he didn't have any weapons of mass destruction but then we can control the oil so people are stupid, they're sheep, they will not understand what we're doing. So let's just say we're fighting for them. We're doing this all for them, and we're going to fight with this invisible, really, uh, you know, enemy. Uh, and it worked really, really well, because as you know, they did it. They got, they profited uh, enormously with oil. They removed Saddam Hussein, who was 
not playing nice with them anymore. It was kind of a pain in their side. So they decided, okay, we can have, you know, two birds with one stone and, and they've done it and the rest is history. Right now they're moving with the invisible virus, invisible enemy that you can't really pinpoint. You, you know how you fight with something that you can't see. They say that this is an enemy number one and that that enemy is killing left and right. And that's what they're telling us. And the mainstream media is pumping this agenda nonstop every day, every hour. It's all about uh, it's all about this invisible enemy. However, when you look at the data, data, when you look at the statistics, suddenly in the province of Alberta, less people died in 2020 than the year before. When you look at the data, less people were hospitalized in our hospitals in the city of Calgary, where I live. But remember, we're in the middle of the deadliest pandemic ever. People are dying left and right. And less people were hospitalized in 2020 than in 2018 and 2019. So this doesn't add up. They're telling us to wear a muzzle, a piece of cloth on our faces. However, every doctor, every biologist, virologist, every scientist that actually is not censored because that's the problem, they don't want people to speak, is telling us that the virus, if, if, their vi if that virus is there, it's 1,000 times smaller than the bacteria. So piece of cloth or the medical cheap masks, the blue ones, will not stop the virus from coming in or going out. So why wear them? Why wear something that doctors are saying it's actually not working? It cannot work. During surgeries, the doctors have to wear a mask through the operations, but that it, there is a purpose for that. They don't want anything to fall to the open wound, and they have to change that mask every 15 minutes. So you're wearing that thing on your face for a whole day or you're reusing it day after day after day. You have fungus, you got bacteria, you got all kinds of things there. You're breathing the air out, it should stay out, but you're breathing it back in and it's hurting you. It's causing you sickness. But they don't want the people to know that and they're censoring anyone that dares to tell the truth about what's really going on. I have phone calls from doctors telling me Doctors that actually know they studied this and they said this is this is a horror what they're doing to the people and they're doing it. <clears throat> so they have an agenda. We know they have an agenda. They're moving forward with the agenda, and it's time for the people to rise up and say no to that agenda while they still can. Because I'm telling you what is going to happen. If people will not rise up, they're not going to stop, they're going to keep pushing. Right now in, in Canada. They are <clears throat> they're, they're breaking the law uh, by uh, implementing a border crossing from one province to another. And that's against the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Our constitution gives us uh, mobility rights. I can travel throughout my nation because I'm a Canadian citizen. But they say, no, you can't because they are border patrols now. And they said, you're not allowed to enter another province. That's prison. They're making squares, they're shutting down cities and they're shutting down provinces, making them prisons. That's what it is. You are inside a prison right now. And we have watched movies about stuff like this and people would say, no, nah, this is impossible. It will never happen. Well, it's happening right now. So going back to the story that uh, became 
you know, the internet sensation that people say, the story that over a billion people watched it. What happened was, it was months after months after months of harassment. And of course, the previous thing you mentioned about the government trying to crack on me for exposing the corruption within the government and within the shelters. So they have been fighting me for a long time. Uh, if you want more about this, watch a documentary, a documentary called Street Advocate. Street Advocate, you will see me being arrested. You will see me being hunted down. And it's a, it's a documentary about why I do what I do and what have been done to me, Street Advocate. So going to the famous video, which I would never imagine is going to reach more than my regular few thousand views, just, you know, to my parishioners and to the people that, that are friends, you know, my Facebook uh, friends. And what happened was we started our holiest festival, which is a Passover Easter, Easter weekend where Jesus is dying for our sins and he is raised from the dead and anyone that will receive him will be saved through repentance. And we're preparing this and I'm preparing the story of Exodus, how Moses was sent with Aaron, his brother, to set the captives free with the message, let my people go so they can worship me in the wilderness. So what is happening in my heart is I'm preparing this message against the Pharaoh against the totalitarian illegal government in during that time and the, the worshippers started to you know to to do their thing there is a prayer going on and then suddenly i turn left and i'm seeing those people and it took me a second to realize that this is actually happening wow they entered a church building illegally they were told not to they're trespassing so that's one criminal offense also, they're interrupting a clergyman while he is in a process of performing his duty. That's two years jail time. And then they are interrupting a church gathering, which is five years jail time. So now they're breaking three criminal laws in the name of the law to make sure they came to make sure that I'm preaching with a mask on, which is a hundred dollars ticket. It's a bylaw infraction It's lesser than a parking ticket. And they're breaking three criminal laws. I mean, it's insane. When If people don't see what's going on, they're just playing stupid or they're deaf or they're blind and they don't want to see it or they are part of the problem. Yeah, this was, this was one of my questions. I often refer uh, to this book. Uh, they thought they were free. Uh, it was an academic who in the 1950s interviewed everyday Germans to understand how it was that the average German went along with the Nazi regime and I think we're, we're seeing the same thing. It's just basic human nature and psychology. Many people today under this fascist COVID regime are submitting uh, meekly, cowering, cowering to this tyranny instead of standing upright and bold uh, like lions. And I've noticed that both you and your congregation are, are forceful and, and strong-willed people with a backbone. And, you know, how, how do you explain why so many people are just going along i mean that's what happened with the germans and the nazi regime here it's in this book you know they, they just went along they followed the nazi regime's orders and it's happening now again and you know what should be our reaction how, how do people snap out of it why are they submitting so easily well i'll tell you first let's tackle why the german people uh went along 
after the first war, there was a great depression in Germany and people were literally dying left and right uh, because of poverty, because of hunger. I remember still seeing the pictures of a wheelbarrow filled with Deutschmark uh, just to buy a loaf of bread. You needed a wheelbarrow of money just to buy a loaf of bread. It was insanity. Uh, so now Hitler comes with his Nazi party and he says, I'll fix your problems. And I'll tell you, I'll point the finger, who is your problem? And he pointed at the Jews and he says, they are the problem. They are stealing from you. And it's because of them, you're in poverty. So first you need to find an enemy that you can point to. And he did that. It's a human psychology. People like to blame others for their misfortune and for their own sin. It was not me. It was him. It was not her. It was, you know, like all, all those different things. I call it the blame shifting. So what happened, Adolf Hitler comes with his Nazi party and he starts to feed people. Not many people know that Adolf Hitler with his party fed thousands of people. They don't understand the, uh, what was happening. He was indoctrinating the people by telling them, I'm your savior and I'm going to fix your economy. And I'm going to get rid of your biggest enemy, the Jews. I'm going to wipe them out. I'm going to remove them. And I'm going to give you their possession. I'm going to revive uh, our economy. And he did that. He actually did keep his promise. So the average German looked at Hitler as their savior. German people were feeling ashamed because of the restrictions and the failure during the First World War. So they felt inferior. They felt ashamed. And here is a leader that feeds them, gives them jobs, and says, I'll revive our economy. Germany will be the greatest nation on the planet Earth, most powerful nation, and you will be proud to be German. So he plays on those human, you know, the lowest human uh, emotions, pride and flesh. And it was successful. So majority of the German people liked Hitler. They liked what he was offering. They liked prosperity. What we see in the Western democracy right now, we see the same concept, comfort, apathy. I just want to have more. That's why I'm not interested in rallying. I'm not interested in fighting corruption in the government because as long as I can have more, I'm okay with that. As long as it benefits me, the system, if the system benefits me, it's awesome. It's a good system. The government is giving me money. So who cares about other people? That's exactly what we're seeing in the Western civilization. Apathy, comfort. People have had so good for so long. Uh, they just didn't care about anything else except themselves. Um, and the history History, which is not being taught in school, is teaching us that when a society comes to a point that they don't care, they're so comfortable, they start to crack and collapse. And every empire finished the same way. Every empire was broken uh, because of flesh corruption, if you will. So that's what's happening right now around the world. And that's, I think, why people either do not see or they do not want to see what's going on because they're still comfortable. They got their house, they got their cars, they still got a job from government because, you know, we have this huge problem of 
having too big government bureaucracy. So there's lots of bureaucrats that are getting a lots of money, good money, and they don't want to lose that. Why would they rally with the poor people, the business owners that are losing jobs while their life is awesome? They got bonuses. The government officials are giving themselves raise. Uh, they say to us, we're in this together. However, our businesses are shut down. Our lives are being destroyed, but they have not missed even one check since this whole thing started. Government in Canada just gave themselves a raise, actually, uh, just a month ago, three weeks ago. So that's why people don't see what's going on, because either they are willfully blind or uninterested uh, because they have still uh, too good. Going back to the video, when I saw them being in the church, I I ran actually to the pulpit. I grabbed my telephone and I started to record this. And the only thing that was in my heart was get out, like from the story with Pharaoh, Pharaoh and Moses and Aaron. Get out, get out. Let my people go so they can worship me. He says the Lord. So. I did that. I just kicked them out and they wanted to have a debate with me. They wanted to talk. I, that was not the time to have a debate. This was in the middle of the service. We just started. Uh, op we opened the doors for the people to come in. This is not the time to have a discussion with the, with the authorities, with their guns, with their tasers, with their badges, with their uniforms, with their pistols. No, you are... If you're interested in the facility, give me a call. I'll open uh, for you. We will discuss. You want to talk to me? Fine. You want to ticket me? Fine. But this was not the time. So the only thing I wanted to, I wanted them to do is get out. But they, they were not moving. When I saw that they're not moving, everything intensified. And I started to be more aggressive with my words. And I said to myself, they're acting just like the Germans did. Just like the Nazis, the fascists, the communists, the KGB wannabe dictators are here again, and I need to fend them off. You know, you don't have a discussion with the hyenas when they're attacking you. You don't have a discussion with the wolves when they came to steal one of your sheep. So I did. I used the law against them, just like David used the sword of Goliath against Goliath's own head. I used their own law and I fend them off and they left. They knew they were breaking the law and yet they did it anyway in the name of the law. And that's what we see more often right now. Them saying it's the law and at the same time they're breaking the law. For example, there is um, a law. Uh, it's not a law. It's a recommendation. It's not even an actual law that says you have to wear a face covering. However, there is an exemption. You can have a medical exemption. But you know the stores, many stores do not care about that part of the law. So they are enforcing the first part of the law, but they are ignoring the second part of the law. You can't have both ways. That's illegal. Either you enforce the whole law or you are a lawbreaker yourself. So what we see right now is them enforcing a restriction while they're breaking criminal laws, mm -hmm. either discriminating you harassing you, intimidating you, or arresting people for not wearing a mask uh, because they're exempt. It's insanity. Mm -hmm. It's terror. It's dictatorship. And it's being done the same way the Nazis did it and the communists. I just have a question or two before we let you go on. I'll go back to a point that you made about this, you know, one world 
uh, thing. You know, I, I've seen a number of non-religious people now pointing out, you know, some of my previous guests as well on the channel that what we're wit witnessing is simply unprecedented in history, that people are locked in their homes, their businesses shut down, coerced to inject themselves with some mysterious liquid, uh, and that this is happening globally in virtually all of the nations of the world. This is unprecedented in, in history. And now they're talking of mandating medical passports without which you'll be locked out of uh, society. Here in Mexico, it's crazy. They're passing laws where, you know, I can't access my bank account now through the computer or application without enabling geolocation so they know where I am at all times. Now we're going to have to register our, our biometric data with the cell phones or you won't be able to use it. And so I just wanted to get your just quick thought on uh, on the prophetic implications, you know, I, I know many Christians are familiar with the implications in the Bible that at some future point there was coming some type of global dictatorial uh, authority. And 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 what's your view, kind of, uh, on this? Is this just what we're experiencing, a foreshadowing, or something like that? Of course, hundred percent. They have been trying this for hundreds of years. The Bible is very clear. It says that there will be new world governments for a short period of time. They will succeed. Sooner or later, they will. Antichrist will come. His prophets, his false prophets will come. There will be a global terror, a global dictatorship, one world religion, one world government, one monetary system. You will not be able to buy or sell unless you bow before Satan. So we know it's coming, and this is a test. They're testing how people will comply. They're testing, you know, how we how can they do this? The wearing of the face covering is very interesting because it was done to the slaves. And this is the message. This is the message that they are sending to you. You are we are depriving you from your identity. You have no identity now because you have no face. You're just the scared eyes looking at people. You have no identity. There you have no say. We're taking you your voice. That's why the muzzle comes. You have no say in this. You have no identity. You are just a social insurance number. You're just a slave. Nameless, faceless, nobody. A slave that is required to submit. If you don't submit to our ruling, we will hunt you down. We will destroy you. Put the muzzle on, keep quiet, submit, or else. We're seeing this in front of our eyes globally. And they have been preparing this for a long time, a long time. Now, what is the choice? Do we have a hope? Can we do anything? Yes. You see, they will succeed is only at the very end of before Jesus comes back. Until then, we have a window of opportunity. We have the light in a the tunnel. They've tried this before and they did not succeed it. We can push this agenda for another 20, 30, maybe 50 years. We still can if we will rise up. Because we got to remember that when Antichrist will come, he's only going to rule for a very short period of time. Three and a half years of terror. That's not in a scheme of thousands upon thousands of years. That's not, uh, that's a relatively small period of time. So do not lose hope. Jesus showed me that 
he is still sitting on the throne. He's not shaken by all of this. He's not terrified by all of this. He controls everything. And he says that he's coming back for a glorious church. He's coming back for the church filled with power, with signs and wonders. We will be able to raise the dead and heal the sick and do all kinds of different things. Greater things than I, you will be doing, Jesus says. He's waiting for the book of Acts, book of action church. And he's coming back for a powerful church. What that tells me is that the remnant is ri- is rising up. The remnant is rising up. The enemy is rising up. And God is looking for his champions. When the Philistines were fighting with the Israelites, Israelites were terrified because the enemy was powerful. But it took a nobody to come and show them how it's done. So I hope that this video, me chasing the hyenas out, it will be that kind of a scenario of a nobody that comes in and says and shows people how it's done. Do not comply. Do not discuss. Take them out. Get rid of them. Get out of my houses. Get out of my businesses. Get out of my churches. If enough people did that, I guarantee you we would postpone what is in the book of Revelation and the book of Daniels for a number of years, perhaps decades. This is the time to go out there, preach the gospel, bring as many people to the kingdom of God for his last harvest, not to be terrified because the Bible says in Revelation, cowardly and fearful will not inherit the kingdom of God. We cannot be afraid. We cannot be subjected to fear because fear is saying to God, I do not trust you. I don't have faith. The Bible says that without faith, we cannot please God. Jesus says, when I come back, will I find faith? So what I'm trying to say is this, rise up, stand up, fight the good fight of faith, resist the evil, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What is required? What is required for the light to shine? What is required for the darkness to disappear? It's a very simple concept. You just have to bring the light. And the darkness has no choice. If enough pastors, enough rabbis, enough people would rise up and fight for their people that God entrusted them with, this would be over a long time ago. It would be over because there's more of us than of them. And their God also, which is the most important thing, God is on our side because he's always on the side of truth. He's always on the side of righteousness. He's always on the side of life. That's the message to the church. We see the greatest division, separation between the real Christians and the fake ones. We see separation between the goats and the sheep and the sheep and the wolves. We see now physically even, visibly, who is the real shepherd of God's people and who is just a hired gun. We see who is a real believer and trusts Jesus and believes the word of God, and obeys the word of God, and he was and is a fake, a fake hypocrite. This is exciting time. This is exciting time. We should not lose hope. For such a time as this, God raised us here. For such a time as this. That's a great place uh, to, to end the message. And as you rightfully point out, some people in the world paint, uh, I guess you can call them the fake Christians who want to, you know, this idea that we want to, 
welcome, uh, you know, Armageddon and World, World War Three. Where, as you explained, on the contrary, we, we want to fight for justice against war. You know, st- stave off whatever comes is going to come eventually. But we, as you say, we want to fight against all of this evil. We don't want to, you know, start World War Three nuclear war just to fulfill uh, some prophecies. No, we we want to keep peace and 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 life and 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 love for as long as possible. Um, your website is streetchurch.ca. You're on Twitter. Uh, Facebook. Is there any other website we should know about, and how can people best follow uh, and support you? Uh, we people can uh, watch uh, my teachings from the church and evangelism on Arthur Pawlowski TV or Second Channel Street Church Calgary. Uh, you can send me an email art at streetchurch.ca. You can also support us uh, using e-transfers e- at art a r t at streetchurch.ca. On the website, there is um, also a PayPal if you would uh, like to help uh, or send me an email. I will gladly talk to you and pray with you. And just to finish it off what you said, the Bible says a very clear message. If you know how to do good and you choose not to do it, it's a sin to you. So those people that are welcoming the evil and they're not willing to do anything about that evil are participating in that evil and they will not make it to the kingdom of God. What you see when you see evil, it's like me seeing someone, a girl, let's say on a street being raped, someone is attacking that girl. You know, I can walk by and say, well, God said that evil is going to be rampant all over us. It's not my business, right? It's not my problem, but it is because God placed me there to save that girl to help her, and I'm choosing not to for whatever theological reason that I have. That's evil. The one that is raping that girl and you not helping that girl, not providing the, you know, the assistance like a man should, you both are participant in the great evil. you guilty as charged. And that's the church today. The church is guilty as charged for not standing up against oppression, not standing up against poverty, not standing up against evil and the schemes of evil. By watching what is unfolding and not doing anything about it, it's a sin. You got to always light. You have to always be the salt because if the salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing and will be trampled by men. It's a true honor to speak with such a courageous lion of a man. You have given us great uh, inspiration and I hope People start rising up all around the world. I get messages from people all around the world. And so, you know, I think we, we can do this. We can move forward and keep up the good fight. Thank you for being on Geopolitics and Empire. God bless you. Stand up. Fear not. God is greater than our enemy. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast interview. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com, and I encourage you to sign up for the free email list through which you can receive an update of every new podcast, as well as a long list of key news headlines once a week. We're being heavily censored. YouTube has deleted some of our videos, and we currently have one strike. Patreon has terminated our account. Facebook has restricted our page, and Reddit has been the leading posts. Our favorite social media channels are Telegram and Twitter. The best places to watch the podcast beyond YouTube are on Odyssey, BitChute, and Brighteon. 
The best places to listen to the podcast are on SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, Google, or on any other podcast app. To help keep this podcast alive, leave a review on Apple Podcasts and wherever else, subscribe to all our platforms, and leave a donation if possible via Subscribestar, PayPal, Bitcoin, or Ethereum. You can also find us on MeWe, Minds, Gab, Float, VK, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Thanks for listening.